The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Women in MarTech Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're talking to five successful lady marketers and technologists to understand how they've navigated their way up the corporate ladder to become some of the most prominent female members of the MarTech community. Joining us today is Veronica Butron. Veronica is the co-founder and CTO of Tango Code, which is a software development firm that builds automation software for firms with digital marketing products. Tango Code specializes in the development of tools that improve their customers' ability to drive top-line revenue by accelerating their speed to market using new technologies like machine learning and AI. And outside of her role leading the tech team at Tango Code, she is both a member of the Forbes Technology Council and a full-time mother of three. Here is our interview with Veronica Butron, the co-founder and CTO of Tango Code. Veronica, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. I'm excited to connect and hear your story. And this is actually a little bit different than our standard MarTech podcast interview. For the most part, we only talk to people that have a career background in marketing. And you are, by trade, a technologist. So you're more tech than Mar, which makes you special in our eyes. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And hopefully... We can all learn something that would be great. Absolutely. I think the reason why I wanted to have you on the show, there was a couple reasons. First, we're doing the Women in MarTech Week, and you are a woman. You work in the MarTech industry. You're a technologist, but you focus specifically on serving marketers by building technology products for them. So let's just start at the beginning and, and talk about your career path How did you get into technology and when did you start building in an understanding of marketing into your career? Start us off at the beginning. Okay, so way at the beginning, long time ago, I have been in technology for quite a while. Actually, over 20 years I have been in technology. I started as a developer and then I moved into the consulting world and I helped companies to optimize their operations, set up workflows, become more efficient. 
I walk through many different industries, retail, manufacturer, health, and I will be spending about two years in an industry and understanding, you know, best practices and understanding the operations. And then kind of like I will move on and so forth without actually really specializing in an industry, but more specializing, understanding patterns across the different operations and see how actually the accumulative knowledge of seeing these industries can actually help. And in 2012, I actually have the opportunity to do the same thing, walk into a company, digital marketing agency, and they basically wanted to become a Google Premier Partner. And they wanted to be sure that their margins are something that they need to protect, be sure that they could do it in an efficient way. Basically, they wanted to scale in an efficient way. So I started to help them on that. I didn't know anything about digital marketing at that point. So I started to learn about digital marketing, learn about them. And it was fascinating. We also had the opportunity to connect with Google. And they also helped us understand how we could bring our experience that we have in other industries and actually help in digital marketing in the part of efficiency operations, bringing products to market faster. And I basically just fall in love with digital marketing. It kept changing. I love the fact that it keeps changing, that whenever I think I know something, it changes. So it's interesting to hear that you started off as a consultant, you stumbled upon digital media. And one of the things that's fascinating to me is really the genesis of this podcast and the industry that it covers in MarTech, the overlap between technology and marketing. Tell me a little bit more about why you thought marketing was so interesting, knowing that you were really a technologist and a software developer more than someone with a, you know, let's say brand marketing background. Why did it tickle your fancy? Actually, that surprised myself. Before coming in digital marketing, I basically have kind of like a general understanding of marketing and it seemed more creative. I'm a more of a process-oriented person and tech. So it didn't feel that I would fall in love so much about it. What I really liked about it, that mix that you refer between technology and marketing. And I like to solve problems. That's basically my trade. That's what I study. That's what I like to do as an engineer. And seeing the technology in marketing and the opportunities that opens to solve different problems for companies and brands, it actually was very surprising for me. Basically, the thing that surprised me the most is how much technology you use in digital marketing. It's a lot about technology. The marketing industry is becoming increasingly more technology-centric. I don't think that that's a secret. I think that's probably happening across multiple industries. But the idea of marketing automation and being able to use events and triggers to drive communication is something that's a relatively new process. As you've moved through your career, you started off as a consulting role and eventually have moved on. Tell me about some of the other steps once you discovered that there was a niche for you as a technologist working with marketers. What did you do next? So in other industries, technology is a supporting actor meaning like it supports a way to make your job more efficient. When I'm looking about what a marketing person needs to know today, from my perspective, technology is not there where it needs to be. It's not really a supporting actor because today a marketing person needs to know a little bit too much about technology. 
They need to know about scripts. They need to know about tags. They need to know about JavaScripts, codes that they put in websites. They need to understand how to do regular expressions in Google Analytics. So for me, as a technologist, we are not serving the market the way that we should be serving the market as a supporting actor, not so much as a primary actor that the marketers need to learn about. So what I really wanted to do was to help close that gap. I wanted to go where not really substituting the software that marketers have to use, but closing the gap to be sure that marketers actually don't need to know so much about technology as is being asked from them today. So it seems like you're trying to create technologies that are allowing marketers to focus on some of the more traditional marketing tactics without having to worry about how the technological solution actually functions. So tell me a little bit about some of the career experiences that you had. You started off as a consultant. Did you stay as a consultant throughout before starting Tango Code? So basically, I started, as you said, as a consultant and also supporting companies develop tech solutions with a specific product. So I will basically consult with them about how they can automate their operations using a specific product. And as I went through the career, so for example, I did some work in, in retail and more like in manufacturers where really efficiency, you know, margins, they are really low and efficiency, it's key. So the idea of integrating operations throughout the entire process, it's very, very important. So from there, I was able to understand the importance of a process being all connected throughout the entire cycle. And especially like when you looked about in marketing, that it tends to work in silos. I saw there a gap that I could help with because I always were looking at integrated solutions and how it actually helps the operations. So that's something that from retail and manufacturing, I was able to bring in. Also work in health and there it was more of a analysis of outcomes type of play. So it was more of how to organize data in a way that you can analyze it. And that's something that I was also able to bring into marketing because Today, data is key, right? So data is very important and it's actually will help dictate the future steps. So that's where the technicality part of marketing becomes, right? When it's not just about understanding the brand, but it's really understanding the data that is collected and how that is going to inform the next steps. So for me, my experience about analyzing data, how to structure data so you can actually ask questions to the data, that was also key in this case, was really coming from health. So as a technologist moving from industry to industry, you were able to learn about the aggregation and the analytics piece from your experience with healthcare. You got some experience working in supporting operations while you were working in retail, and then you had this marketing automation skill that was built up as well. So having gathered all this experience across multiple different verticals, you made the decision to co-found a company. Tell me a little bit about your decision for starting a company and what were you doing? So in 2004, I founded Genexus USA, and that was about being able to use that experience and helping companies that were actually buying a software product from Uruguay, which is where I'm from, and supporting them in the implementation of that product to support their operations. So that's what we're doing in Genexus USA. And we were attending, we were doing custom development project 
across many different industries, just continuing over my experience. You mentioned that you were importing a software technology from your native country, Uruguay. What was the technology? What was the solution? So it's a case tool that actually generates code and made it faster to be able to build software solutions. One of the things that I always liked, it was once I detected a problem, I really wanted to be sure that the problem was solved as fast as possible. So you can start testing and changing because one of the things that I always knew is like things keep changing. That was the one thing I always knew, things keep changing. So I always wanted to be sure that I can get to a point where I can start using things as quickly as possible, which is why I was using this generator. Okay. So Genexus, it's actually generating codes and allows for the more rapid development of web and mobile applications. You were at that company for 12 years and then decided to launch Tango Code, which is a company that's focused more on serving marketers. What was the reason for putting the Genexus experience behind you and then starting to focus more on serving marketers? So before Tango Code and before digital marketing, I was not focusing on a vertical industry. I was more in horizontal. And that's why the part of technology was I could set in a certain technology and what I was changing was the industries. When we started focusing on digital marketing and seeing an opportunity there because of the pace of change of the industry itself, we saw an opportunity there by focusing on a vertical industry. And then we needed to really become a lot more flexible in the technology. So if we wanted to actually be able to help marketers, we have to meet them in whatever technology they were using. What we did in that case is we totally rebranded. We closed Genexus USA. We started Tango Code. And Tango Code, it's really bringing all the experience that we have learned before and setting in a company that is both agile, that it's ready to change, that it meets marketers in the technologies that they're using and it starts expanding. But also we brought not only the learnings of other industries, but still, even if we're not using a co-generator, the idea of using accelerators everywhere we can to accelerate custom development and to get to solutions as quickly as possible. So it sounds like with your previous company, you're working with a similar team or basically took the core assets from that team and decided to specialize, focusing specifically on marketers to help them develop their technology solutions. And I'm guessing that's because the marketing industry is rapidly developing and changing. So there's need for constant iteration of the technology solutions. Did I get that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about what some of your observations are working in, let's call it a supporting function. Marketers are your customers. What are some of the main pain points that you're seeing marketers have consistently? And what are some of the solutions that you've developed to support them? So consistently, I would say the lack of integration, spending too much time in bridging the need to move information from one place to the other rather than being able to be learning about the data, analyzing the data, or focusing on uh, the client. So that, I would say, is definitely the one thing that jumped at me. And that's why also I felt that we had a lot to offer, because that's where our expertise was. I think of it this way, marketers have a plumbing problem, (laughs) right? We're using a series of disparate tools 
You have your marketing automation software. You have the data that's coming in from your Google Analytics, your websites, your event-based tracking. You have all of your advertising tools, and they all speak similar languages, but they're not exactly what one solution calls a click or a customer. Your ad solution might be different than what your email marketing software says. And you're developing solutions that helps rectify the disaggregation of data. Correct. The other thing that I want to think that we bring to the table is because of that focus in having to keep up. So always about learning this, about the new thing that is coming and finding a software that will help provide that solution. I have found that many times the conversation diverts and they're not focusing on like what it is their value proposition, what it is what makes them different. Being a custom development company, we have always, you know, custom development is not something that you use lightly. So it's always kind of like a strategic decision. So I'm trained by trade to always be thinking about why are you doing this, what it makes you different, and be sure that the technology that you develop in a custom way supports that. That helps us train the muscle, that it is always about asking why you're doing this and what makes you different and knowing that that support and support. And I find that that actually is helpful because sometimes people get so focused on the different tools that they need to be using to keep up that they forget who they are and what it is they bring different to the table. I think that marketing has changed so significantly and the skill sets to be a successful marketer have gone from being primarily creative to having an understanding of how to use and evaluate data, and then have expanded beyond into the understanding and application of technology. So over the last, let's say, 20 years, marketers went from drawing pretty pictures to building their own websites and, and you know managing data analytics. And I think of this a lot in terms of what people think of a growth marketer versus a brand marketer. And to me, a marketer is a marketer, and you need to be able to understand creative data, technology, all of those are important things for marketing. But the role of a marketer has expanded so significantly that I understand what you're saying, where a lot of marketers are just getting caught up in the tools and the connection, and they're not actually thinking about the marketing, about how the message you're getting across to your customer impacts them and gets them to make a decision. That's something that often is overlooked and just put into the, well, the creative is the creative bucket. And it's interesting to hear from a technologists saying marketers are struggling to actually do marketing because they're caught up with technology and analytics and all the other things that get put onto our plate these days. Exactly. And every company is different. And that's also what I like about this industry. You know, every company is different, but I always ask the same question is, what's your promise to your customer? Because every one of us that we're servicing a client, we promise something. And I always say, so what it is what you promise? Because that's really what you need to be sure that you protect. And then technologies should serve that rather than you're serving technology. It's interesting. So, you know, I live and work out in Silicon Valley and suburbs of San Francisco. There's obviously been a rich history of software development and hardware development here. And, you know, there's a million startups that have been launched in this area. And often the engineering departments in small companies, they are the product, right? They are building software that it's not a physical product. It's not a retail company. It's a SaaS service. 
So engineering is often the product, and then marketing is a support service to try to promote that company. And they're so tightly integrated these days that the marketers can lose sight of what their brand promise, what the value that they're bringing is. So one thing I want to turn our conversation a little bit, this is the Women in MarTech week. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is I think that your career experience and your background is somewhat unique. You are originally from South America. So I'm going to say that you know in the United States, that would make you a minority. And you're a woman that works in technology, which I don't think I'm going too far on a limb saying, but that's relatively few and far between. And yet you've risen to become an executive level technologist in the marketing field. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me a little bit about your experience, and you're also a mother of three, so I'm curious to hear how, where you're from and your gender has affected your career. How has it supported it and how have you faced some adversity? And then also, how have you managed the balance of being a mom at home while having, you know, lots of demands on your schedule in what's a fast-moving, high-paced environment? (laughs) That's a lot to cover. That's a lot to cover, (laughs) but that's something that I'm passionate about spreading the message especially for women in tech. As you said, I'm basically the triple X. I'm a woman, I'm Hispanic, I'm a mom, I work in tech. You just must not sleep at night. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I try to talk about some of the misconceptions that us, even women, we continue to support. So one of the most common questions that I get asked, how do you do it all? And my answer to that is, I don't. I don't do it all. I can't do it all 100%. I do a little bit of all, and I have to be comfortable with not being 100% in everything and understanding that being as much as I can at a time in every aspect actually helps the other aspect. 
So I feel that in my experience, which every experience is unique, right? So in my experience, being a mother helped me at work tremendously. Being at work helps me be a mother. <laughs> so talk me through that. What are some of the things that as your family was started and growing, what were some of the things that you learned from that experience that were applicable to you at work? So for example, I'm technology, right? So I was a developer. I was able to, if I had an idea, do it. And I didn't have a lot of patience by bringing everybody to, you know, an alignment. I used to basically, you know, I have an idea. I speak really fast. Do we understand each other? If not, I just go on my own. And that's something that as I got older and as I had my kids, I realized that it's a short-term thing. And as I had my kids, every time I have patience with them, I learn something too about them because I take my time to listen to them. And then I learned something about them. So I was able to bring it back to work. And I said, how many different opinions and aspects I am losing, or I'm not giving the time just because I'm not giving it the time to learn about a different context. Actually, that was one of the things that even pushed us to totally change the way that we're working and worked in a very team-oriented so we worked in different teams, multidisciplinary teams, and we bring people together in a team. And that's how actually we work in custom development. And that was informed by the want or the wish of having different perspectives. And don't go as fast as your best developer goes, but go as fast as everybody in the team can take it. And at the beginning might feel a little bit slower, but you learn and then you go much faster. You read about these things, but I actually learn it firsthand by watching my kids and how much I learn from them. There's an interesting metaphor that I heard the chief operating officer at Rinse, the last startup I worked at, James June, used to always say, we want to move fast, but moving slowly means getting it right and getting it right means moving faster. So right is good, good is fast, I think is what he actually would say. And the idea there of building your team's capability to be strong, as opposed to just focusing on you being a great executor, ends up serving the company more. And a lot of that skill, I understand that when I'm working with my two-year-old, helping him to slow down and solve a problem one step at a time until he gets it so he can then understand how it works and then expedite the pace of whatever blocks he's playing with or whatever he's doing, that is definitely something that I've seen as a parent as well. So I think that you said offline that you were a mother of three. I only have one child at home. And honestly, it's as much as I think I can handle. And all of my friends who have multiple kids say that life gets really stressful when you have two kids or more. How do you balance having a larger family, the time commitment that comes there and the logistics that go into that, and also the responsibility of being a leader in your organization? I'm going to say it's easy. No, it's not. It teaches you a lot. And I mentioned before, I love change, right? And in my life, when I open the door in my house, I'm not always know what I'm going to find out. What I wanted to be sure is I wanted to be a technologist and I love to work. I always love to work, but I also wanted to have kids. And I totally rejected the idea that I had it to choose either one thing or the other, or the idea of saying, okay, your kids are going to suffer or work is going to suffer if you have your kids. Somebody's going to suffer. And my take is like, even if you focus and you, all what you do is work, you're not going to do things perfect. And if you're just your mom, you're still not going to do things perfect. 
we need to live with the perfection of the imperfection and the feeling, yes, that at certain points, we are going to feel a little bit guilty that I'm not at home at the moment that my kids need to do homework, not every day, right? So it's a balance. We're not a machine, so it's not possible to say I'm going to dedicate X amount of hours to work, X amount of hours at home. But I was always careful that as a trend, I was getting into like the 50-50. And one thing that I think is super, super, super important is we want our kids to receive 100%, but we are not the ones that need to give them the 100%. So you need to be sure that you have help. As a woman, one of the things that I experienced firsthand was when I had my kids, I feel immediately guilty that I cannot give them all my time. But my husband, he's a tremendous dad. And I figure out along the way that if I would have given my 100% as a mom and given all my energy and all my 100% in the work as a mom, I would not have left him that much space to develop the incredible father that he turned to be. He needed to step up because I was not going to cover the 100%. So he needed to step up. And that stepping up brought to him a discovery that he's an awesome father. And I think that that today for him, it's a huge and super important aspect of his life and what he's proud. But if I would have focused on my guilt and focus on 100% of my kids, I would have not let my kids experience the tremendous that that he grew up to be. I think for parents, male or female, finding the balance of what your responsibility is for your children, and then finding the balance for what your responsibility is to yourself is an ever-evolving challenge. And I also do think that there's a metaphor at work that when you are an executive, right, when you're the boss and you have to step away from being an operator, it creates opportunities for development for the people on your team. And that's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a struggle sometimes, but it's also the way that you're going to develop operational excellence is by giving opportunities to the people to build new experiences and continue to grow. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about how you think about mentorship. The reason why I ask is we talked about you being a Latina, a woman that works in technology. You know, there are very few of those. So I'm curious to hear about who are the people that gave you mentorship along the way and what effect did that have on you? Growing up, actually, I did not have a woman as a role model. And one of the things that pushes me to want to talk about this and to help anybody that I can is exactly because of that. I had in my first job, the president of the company, he was a great mentor. And my dad also had been another great mentor. He still is. But there's certain things I couldn't talk to them because they were not like me. And many times when you want to see people and you want to be able to talk to people that you feel that they have lived things very similar to you. My dad, he was an executive. He couldn't never felt what it was to walk in a room where it was all full of males, white males in general. And you are like the only short Latin woman with accent and that you have to actually make a point. I couldn't ask him tips about that for how much he was able to help me. There's certain pieces that he couldn't because he wasn't like me. That actually is something that the young women today are much fortunate in the sense that they are moral models, not enough. 
I do like that my daughter, for example, today, she is able to turn to me and she says, mom, when I looked at the type of woman that want to be balancing work and being a mother, you are my role model. And she's going to grow up to have other role models. Right now she's 19. But the idea that she's able to find women role models is going to help her not only get the help of people that have more experience, but see yourself, which I think in that scenario has another value. I did a panel, I was a keynote last September in the Chicago Women in Tech conference. And after I finished up the panel, there was this young Hispanic woman that she came to me and she says, thank you so much for your talk. When you were talking about your experience, I could see myself. And I think that's the part that is key, the I could see myself doing this. That's a very powerful statement. And I think it must have been very gratifying to be able to give back to people that are like you that are younger. Last question that I have for you, Veronica, as you think about the younger women, maybe even the younger Latina women that are working in technology, you know, if they're deciding to be marketers or technologists, what advice do you have for them as they embark upon their careers? I have a general advice, but I think it actually touches more in women. And I think what it is very important is to trust yourself. Trust yourself. Don't limit yourself. I always say, why are you going to limit yourself? The world is already going to limit you, you like it or not. So do not limit yourself. We always second guess ourselves. Am I really ready for this? Can I really do this? I would say, don't limit yourself. Say yes, and then you will find out. Then you're going to make it work. But trust yourself, say yes, find your seat at the table and fight for that seat at the table because you can do it. Wonderful advice. I appreciate the motivation that you're giving to the people that have had similar backgrounds to you. And I think that you being a Latina, you being a woman, working in engineering, working in technology, working with marketers, and being an executive and also a founder is a wonderful thing. I think that it's very impressive to see how much success you've had, even with the lack of role models, people that were like you leading and showing you the path, you've really discovered it on your own. So I appreciate you joining our show and thank you for sharing your experiences with the MarTech community. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my experience and my life. So thank you. Well, happy to have you here. And that wraps up this episode of the Women in MarTech Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Veronica Butron for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Veronica, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet at V-R-B-U-I-T-R-O-N, or you can visit her company's website, tangocode, T-A-N-G-O-C-O-D-E.com. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got great episodes lined up, including the rest of our Women in MarTech Week. So click the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.